0: This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, week two is in the books and boy, are there some already early season storylines. Week three is on deck and Brett Dobson and the Georgia Swarm head to Vancouver for the first time since 2020. We'll have another round of box bets and keep the vibes positive all this week on OTCB. Good evening and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, alongside Pat. My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight.
1: Matthews scores!
2: As quick as it was in, it was out! And a shorthanded goal for the hat trick for Matthews. Mark Matthews, are you kidding me? The grabs the finish. Pure filth from the former NOL MVP. Now Dixon for Berg. Beats Delbianko. Masterful two-man game as Dixon and Berg, the old roughnecks, combine to take the lead back from Calgary. Q and Oaks with a little one-two game. Oaks going to take the shot and put it into the back of the net. Absolutely, positively unbelievable. The hat trick for Seth Oaks. What more can I say? It's inside Smith. Ball goes through, right to Waters. Waters fires, scores! Waters puts it far side on the power play, And Rochester has the lead. 90 seconds to play. Albany by three, make it four. Have a night, six. Alex Simmons with his fifth goal of the night. Quick move oh. by scores! Zach Greer with a game winner.
0: Two weeks are in the books. 19 left. Still lots of lacrosse to be played, but boy, do we got some early season storylines. Welcome back to the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get You're listening. Enjoyment. He's Pat Gregor. Find him on Twitter at Pete I am at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast or on the instas at OTCB podcast. Uh, Patty,
2: what's up? How the hell are you? Two weeks down, baby. And like we are full fledged in the mix of things. We finally all teams got to play. We had the bye week at the start of the week for some teams, but Mm -hmm. everyone's got a taste. We've got a taste. The fans got it. Like, we're in it. We're absolutely in it. No bye week during Christmas this year. Like, it's full steam ahead, man. And there's a lot of takeaways, I think, in two weeks. I I try not to have too many, like, knee-jerk reactions because, you know, with covering this this league, with being a a fan previously, you know, like – it's a long season. I know it's a short season when you compare it to a MLB and NFL, or like even an NFL, it's more comparable, but NHL, NBA. Yep. It's still a long season. But the fact that, and I think this is maybe where you wanted to start, you know, the fact that we have Albany at 2-0 and we have the, you know, the Roughnecks at 0-2, Rochester's 2-0, the Rush are 2 with the unified standings, man, like I think if it's if it's last year, like we're like cool, like you know what, nah, rot you know, the rough decks will figure things out. Yeah. They probably will figure things out, but starting Owen two could be absolutely detrimental. And if they are on the outside looking in, they're gonna point to their their slow start. And the way that they a couldn't close out in week one and couldn't find a way to win in week two against a good San Diego team.
0: Yeah, they think, what, it was a 9-3 run in the second half of that game after they were up a pair uh, against San Diego. They let that game slip away in Rochester. It's very untypical Calgary, and I think if it's an East-West division, okay, they're and one in their division, out of division, doesn't really matter. They can figure this out. They'll they'll come around. But 0-2 in a 15-team division – Now you got some climbing to do because as we all kind of think, okay, 500 maybe gets you in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to get to 500, that's eight and eight or nine and nine. They got to go what? Nine and seven, the rest of the way. It's not out of the realm, but when you look at the schedules, you look at the travel teams are going to have to, it's, it's only going to get harder from here on out. And I truly believe that the starts by Albany and Rochester are prime examples of what the unified division is all about because you mm-hmm. have to win every game that's put in front of you. You can't afford to have mm-hmm. a slow start. So it'll be interesting to see how both Saskatchewan and Calgary kind of turn things around. it would be interesting to see if Albany and Rochester can maintain and keep this great play. But I don't think there's panic buttons being hit quite yet but a couple more in this string of losses for some of these teams really starts to put some pressure on
2: yeah like I don't think the pan that's a perfect way to put it like the panic buttons not being pressed but like maybe some some alarm bells are, yeah. are ringing saying like okay we we got we have to have some urgency here but on the flip side like when you look at Albany maybe not in that maybe not in that locker room but when like you know the fans or other teams lot, uh, around the league are looking at it like that's a scheduled loss like against Buffalo. And I know they lost a year ago, almost an identical situation, but you know, at Albany instead of at Buffalo, like that, like that's huge. That that, that again, if, and if you're Buffalo, like that could cost home floor advantage for you in, in round one, it could cost you home floor advantage in the NLL finals. If they get back there again, like every, it, Again, it, it, it's it's so cliche. I'm not just trying to hype up this unified standings thing. It yes, just sir. to me it, it but it's true, but it's so true. Like every game matters, you can't take a weekend off, and it just the way that the schedule lays out and the way that the standings lay out, and I know NFL is a bit different with the divisions and wild cards. But with the stress that every single week matters so much and, you know, how fast starts matter so much in the National Football League. It it just this reminds me so much like the NFL and what we're seeing right now in the in the NFL and the AFC, like the the playoff picture right now, how crazy it is. Like each week teams are shuffling all over the place like the March to May is going to be so fire. Like it is going yeah. to be awesome coming down the stretch because the playoff push is going to mean that much more. And one more quickly while we're on this, like Rod, I think if you're Rochester too, you could hang your hat on this because I think if you ask them, they they didn't play their best lacrosse, especially against Calgary. Like, yeah, I agree. They, it's it was a great comeback victory, but that, I I don't think they're looking at the film there, being like, well, we couldn't have done anything better. And sure, yeah, they put up 16 against Saskatchewan, but you still allow 14. But the old adage goes: good teams find ways to win when things aren't going right, and that's what they did. And they can hang, hang their hat on that, knowing that their goaltending situation's a little a, a little in question. They obviously lost a big key in, in Curtis Knight last week, but they're two and zero. They'll take that and they'll run that to the bank.
0: Do they have a question in goal? Because apparently, Hutchcraft is their number one. <laughs>
2: Oh, well, if you I didn't guess.
0: see the tweet the Nighthawks <laughs> put out uh, earlier on Wednesday, it said, our number one is 2-0, and o, and it's a picture of Riley Hutchcraft. Now, you can take it one of two ways. You can take it as them saying he's our number one and he's 2-0, and o, or he actually literally is number one and he's 2-0. I think that's the way they were going and leaning. I don't think they were saying he's their number one guy, but <laughs> – Does that cause a bit of a riff from team
2: socials? Uh, Well, man, again, I think this is just you, myself, and some of the other (laughs) folks maybe putting our tinfoil hat and reading into it too much. But with that being said, you cannot argue that, like, something's going on in, in Rochester. From what it sounds like, Hartley got hurt. In warm up, or if there was something that he wasn't yeah. able to go, like if you walk well, go back and watch the start of of that game. Um, friend of the program, Cody Jansen's literally reading out like Hartley's stats, like yeah. as they're <laughs> as they're you know, introducing starting goalies on the broadcast. And you could kind of hear him like slowly st- it's almost like you can hear him being like, Wait a second, yeah. We got the... in the crease right Probably, now. Yeah. And then he finishes his thought and goes, Well. It actually looks like Riley Hutchcraft is, <laughs> is going to be starting. So again, I mean, we've, we've been dealt, you know, the, there's so many times I'm sure in this, especially in the summer you're calling a game and you're thinking one goalie starting and then you find out not, but I, I think this is a, this wasn't like gamesmanship. I think no. you, and you asked me a question, like, are we going to see Hutchcraft again, start this yeah, game? And, and technically I was wrong by saying no, but <laughs> we were supposed to, It but At the end of the day, he's still that tweet is right. He's still two and zero. He is. Is he the number one? I think right now he's going to have to be because from all indications, maybe Hartley's dealing with some injuries again, which absolutely sucks. This guy can't catch a break. Yeah. Especially off. I was really hoping to see him have a bounce back game instead. You know, he was swinging a gate.
0: Yeah. Uh, good thing for them. They don't play this weekend. So he does have some time to heal up before the Nighthawks play their third game. But before we move on from the, the teams that are doing well and the teams that aren't Alex Simmons and Mr. Kurtz are walking into the NLL. Like they own the place right now, this Albany firewolves offense. We talked about it at nauseam preseason. They're not big enough. They're not experienced enough. They don't have a number one guy. They're going to ask a lot of Ethan Walker, yada, yada, yada. They've put all of that to rest in their
2: first two games. This offense is lethal. It's scary how good they are. And I think it goes into a lot that we said that like a Albany offense wants to be is is they don't really need a number one guy they don't really need a superstar with the ball on right. the stick they don't they have had it in, in years past don't get me wrong but the way that the offense works the way that they want to work the way that you know coach Clark and, and coach Gibson want it to be is like everyone shares the ball and mm-hmm. we're 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 going to move our feet we're going to move our ball we're going to be tough to play against and that's what exactly they are but what we're seeing from Simmons and what we're seeing from Kurt like Simmons just absolutely lit the world on fire. Like he yeah. picked the part, Matt Vince, one of the greatest goalies of all yeah. time made him look silly. Is he going to be able to keep that up all year? Is Ty Kurtz going to be able to keep that up all year? Probably not at that rate, but they've gone and proven that they're going to be two guys that are going to be able to contribute. They're going to be able to carry the offense. Um, I don't think enough people are talking about Ethan Walker. I know he's played two games, but you know, he's sitting there tied in third and scoring 12, yeah. 12, a quiet 12 points. Um, Marshall Paulus looks great. Um, based off of Cooper Perkins, um, efficiency numbers, he's the number one efficient goal scorer, uh, in the in, or sorry, point scorer in the game right now. I believe that's off touches and yeah, go to, go to laxmetrics.com, do some reading on yourself. Um, Travis Longboat as well, 11 points. Like, this is a dynamic offense. Mind you, let's have the conversation in a couple weeks when there's a little more film on these guys and defenses can figure things out. But let's be honest. Myself, you, a lot of folks, I think we have to eat crow a little bit here because Mm -hmm. we were saying, I don't know if there's enough firepower. We gave their defense and uh, Dougie Jameson a ton of of kudos. And it's been the offense that have won them their first two games. And, and you know, if
0: if that can allow that defensive group to settle in a bit and get a little mm-hmm. more comfortable, get Dougie back in the rhythm of things, if their offense can win them a few games early, I think this defense will round into form as the season goes on. Uh, we've mentioned the unified division or unified standings quite a bit already. Uh, the swarm and Mammoth had a just <laughs> a crash-around, bang-around kind of game down there in the heartland of Georgia. They play again in two weekends. I know. (laughs) Christmas weekend, they play again in Denver. Should we – and we always do this whenever there's uh, a game prior and and shit gets crazy and out of hand. And then we say, oh, the next time these two teams, it's just going to be an absolute bloodbath. Maybe we see that because there really did seem to be a lot of bad blood in that game. I don't think it'll get a hand, but you can't put it past it. But I think that's one of the cool things about the unified standings. Swarm and George, Swarm and the Mammoth usually play each other almost every year. Like they know each other quite well. But when it's only two times and the games are going to mean that much, I don't think you can afford to have uh, a fight fest. But man, I'm going to
2: love it if it happens because I think yeah. that's
0: just, that's just <laughs> going to create those storylines.
2: Yeah and and it is I, again I I feel like a lot of the times when we say like you know I, I'm trying to go back to you know some of the those Buffalo Toronto games mm-hmm. where things yep. spoil over and then the next game you really don't see anything. I feel like we have a couple of months that separate it or like the next matchups in April where you yeah. know, they're worried more about the playoffs. Like this is 2 weeks later. Yep. This is like these teams are right back at it. It's Colorado's next game. It's their home opener. It's, it's their home opener. So, like, it, it really is short memory. And and maybe we don't get, a, you know, a line brawl like we, what we got last game. But you got to feel like it's going to be a chippy game. You got to feel like there's going to be some extra hacks and whack. Like, it, it, it it's, it's right there. It was two weeks ago. And like you mentioned, tensions will be higher because, you know, Colorado saying, like, we have to split this series. We can't go 0-2. Georgia, that's going to really hurt our playoff chances. And again, it goes back to the unified standings, how important every single game is. So I I wouldn't put my money on it that we're going to see an all-out slobber knocker, but I think it's going to be an intense battle with, with a lot of fierce competition.
0: The Toronto Rock knocked off the Philadelphia Wings in the Rocks' home opener and season opener, and the Mark Matthews era in Toronto is off and running. Austin Matthews, who... (laughs) We're all about Mark Matthews in the GTA, and he he looked weird in the red, white, and
2: blue. He didn't look out of place though. He he said it in his interview at halftime to Ashley, like that. I'll be honest. That first quarter, the offense looked all out of sorts. Yeah, forcing shots from the outside, forcing you know cross floor passes. But again, it's a it's a new offense you know, you knew that they were going to work some things out, but then Mark Matthews found a little bit of time and space. And when that got, we know how good of a, of a playmaker he is. He uses his size. He uses his, his angles, his, his deception. Like he is one of the greatest playmakers the game has ever seen. And it's because of his lacrosse IQ, but it's also his big frame. He reminded everyone how damn good of a goal scorer he is. And when he wants to take the ball to the net or when you give him time and space from the outside, like that goal he scored on the power play, that little skipper right by Higgins toe. Yeah. And the NL put up a really good clip. Um, Garrett Eddy, one of the videographers, um, Shout out him, by the way. He it doesn't matter if he's producing content for the NLL for 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 Trent University, whatever it is. It's always yeah. he gets some great stuff. He did. He's the guy that rolled out a lot of the Orangeville content as well. But there's a great angle, and you see the shot, and he just puts it perfectly, like just a beautiful bounce bounce shot. And he just reminded us with those four goals that like he's not just a sit on the outside and window shop feeder. Like this. This offense, when Schreiber gets back, when Bushy kind of gets a little more comfortable, it's going to be so hard to defend, man. Yeah, It's like going to be an absolute nightmare to defend.
0: The goal he scored where he cut backside on his defender, caught it one-handed, and in the motion <laughs> of bringing it back to his two-hand, he was already putting it in. Like Stupid. He's had those hands since he was playing in, in Whitby and Coquitlam and, at Denver. We all knew he had just ridiculously dexterous – wrists and hands like he's able to pull some crazy shit out but it just shows like even as he's getting older he still has that ability whether it's an inside shot or an outside shot skipping the ball across the floor the mailman has officially delivered for the Toronto Rock in week one um, unfortunately for the Philadelphia Wings though in that game Blaze Reardon got injured and just this week they made note that Blaze and Holden Katoni are out of for four to six weeks for the foreseeable future, this is not good for a wings team that has high playoff hopes.
2: It's 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 so crushing, man. Like seeing that Katoni C- was going to be out. Um, it, actually, it came out after I saw him. Guys were going out for informal warmups, the first warmup, and he was talking to Mark Matthews in a suit. And I said, "Well, okay." I saw he was on the injury report that he was. Yeah. Questionable. He's not going. Uh, and then, you know, a few minutes later, we get the email from the league that he's been moved to the IR. We're like, ah, crap, that sucks. He, he would have been a lot of fun fun to, to, to see him in this offense, score two goals in the opener. And then Blaze goes out mid-game. And to be quite honest, again, yes, I know it's because they probably were also only going with with two lefties and, and having to roll out some defenders out the O-door um, to fill that side. The offense just looks completely different without a guy like Blaze, right? Like he's, he's your inside presence. He's not afraid to go to the middle. The, the, the chemistry that he's built with, with Mitch Jones in that two man game was, is so tough to defend. And I'm not saying they're done because they're not no. um, four to six weeks is a long time, but they can come back. Um, but if you thought there was a lot on Mitch Jones shoulder, uh, it's just tripled because now you don't have those two guys. Now your lefties are Take Tony, Tanner Buck and Mitch Jones. And and no offense to to Katoni and Buck, but that's a that's a clear clear downgrade from the other two guys that they have. But you and I both predicted Mitch Jones would win MVP at the start of the year. I think this would go for a, a long way in his MVP chase if he was yep. to really take a hold of this offense and, and kind of carry that left side because we know the righties are going to produce. Now it's now it's really a lot on his shoulders. If we
0: say four weeks, their next four games home to Albany at Halifax home to the riptide home to the rush. So maybe not the toughest stretch to lose those guys. You might be able to battle through some adversity through those games, but then January 27th, they've got the Seals. And February 2nd, they got Halifax again. So if they can get through January and then get those guys back with uh, and have a, a positive record, above 500 record, then they're in great shape. But if they go through this next stretch all the way through to the start of February, winning one of those five games, maybe two of those five games – it's definitely going to be a tough stretch turning things around for the Philadelphia Wings. Uh, positive notes, Brandon Robinson and Morgan's message. We heard about all that last week on the podcast. So far, 265 goals scored across the National Lacrosse League in two weeks. So B-Rob will be donating $265 at least to Morgan's message. Uh, we're at, what, 13, 14 bucks now?
2: I think it was 14 off the 14 was oh, 17
0: 14 yeah so we're at yeah. $14 so 7 bucks a piece um again if you want to get involved and help out morgan's message morgan's is the website where you can find Brandon Robbins story on nll.com before we get to positive vibes what the hell are we doing <laughs> with these god awful turfs in the national lacrosse league and i don't mean the state of the turf I mean the colors of the turf. Everyone knows I'm not a fan of the Calgary Roughnecks, WestJet, Teal. Um, But the lime green in Saskatoon compounded with the fact that the Rush wore their green jerseys. I'm just not about it, man. I I want to, I'm okay with doing like the creases and maybe the end areas behind goal line extended. If you want to change those colors, if you want to have a logo that takes up 97% of the field, sure, whatever. But can we just get back to a standard regular old green turf and, and forget about trying to outdo everybody else? Or am I just an old man yelling at clouds?
2: I don't know if you're an old man yelling at clouds because I saw a lot of people complain about it. I wasn't one of them. I kind of really? like it. I kind of like it. And I'll tell you, maybe, maybe if, if Sask had black jerseys, it would look a little bit better. Like yeah. the green on green is, is a lot. I don't know. I don't mind it. I do not like Calgary's turf. I've made it evidently clear. I'm not a fan of that, especially the fact that it it doesn't match their color scheme. And I get it. It's, it's a sponsor. That's, that's here nor there. But like I'm a college football fan, I love I love Boise State and the the Smurf turf. I think the blue turf is awesome. It's a home field advantage. Uh, I like it. I think I think you know have, having more uniqueness for fans. You look at a sport like baseball. I mean, each stadium is is unique in in its dimensions. Yeah, but they don't got different grass. Color well, grass. But you go in the NFL, some teams have turf, some teams have, uh, have, yeah, but it's not a actual different grass. color, it's standard color. But in college football, they have I different colors. We're not colors. talking, college, we're talking pros. <laughs> <laughs> and now, an I old don't man yelling at uh, now, now you're an old man. I don't mind it, I don't mind it. I think, I think maybe we could have dialed it to a little like less of a bright green. Yeah, it's, it's a lot, but I don't know. I just. I think for the Rush, they're a unique fan base. Yep, I get it.
0: And maybe you're right. Maybe if they have, they did wear a different jersey, it wouldn't have been such a clash.
2: Yeah, it, so. it, it, it's a lot. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot. But the Rush are a lot. The fan base <laughs> is a lot. They're in your face. That's true. It kind of matches the mantra of it. I like it. And that's yeah. why I think I like it. It's going to mm-hmm. and. and I don't know, maybe maybe we go out there and, and, and call a game and I sit in the press box. I'm like, oh, my God, this sucks. But over, over TV, I didn't mind it. I thought it was cool. And I give them kudos for trying something different.
0: All right, let's keep it positive here. Well, we uh, got
1: to stay positive, right? We got to give them that. Positive vibes only.
0: All right. um, My positive vibes only message this week. We've kind of touched on it a little bit, but it's not how you start. It's how you finish. The Edmonton Oilers are on an eight game heater. The Denver Broncos have won five of six. You can have a terrible start, but you can put things together, get things in place, get the motion of the train going forward and still have a great end to your season. So, for all those teams and all those fan bases who haven't gotten off to a hot start, maybe you're kind of worried about the future. Just realize, 14, 15 games left for all, or six? what's it, 16, 17 games left for most and for all of our teams. There's still tons of lacrosse. We mentioned slow starts aren't the greatest in a unified division, but you can turn things around in a heartbeat. Injuries are going to happen across the league. So stay positive, keep the hope, and just realize it's not how you
2: start, it's how you finish. Kind of similar like the Buffalo Bills who are all of a sudden not dead in the water and the Dolphins losing on Monday night. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. You guys
0: did us a favor beating the Chiefs. We're only a game behind them now. I know. I know.
2: Look at us. Who would have thought at the start of the year? But you're right. Hot starts are nice, but it all matters about how you finished. So my positive vibes, we, it was going to be the Albany rookies um, yeah. starting hot. But, you know, we already talked about that. So that can be maybe my 1A. But my 1B is um, Cooper Perkins and and Lax metri- metrics. Um, and maybe it's the NLL as well, bringing him on board to have his – platform in video format mm-hmm. but i think i think that that him doing a video now um with the league it, it just makes it so much more digestible and his articles that he have a lot more digestible with the graphic or the graphs it was you a know? lot early on
0: especially if it, you were new to analytics and he couldn't follow like i'm dumb when it comes to that stuff me too it, buddy <laughs> it, it, it can be hard to digest but you're right so the video form and everything is huge.
2: It's, it's massive and it, 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 dumbs it down for dummies like me and you, and I've really been enjoying it. And like, I, I'm going to include, like I, I did a little bit last year and, and especially with, you know, ties as well. And his, yep. you know, goal saves, um, expected goal saves, whatever. Like I, I will be including this a little more into my broadcast because, yep. you know, they do a great job of explaining it, but now the, having the videos there, um, and that, you know, as a guy that's not really quote unquote an analytics guy, it just helps explain the situations um and and what maybe you're seeing with your eyes are either telling you the truth or maybe there's a little more to it. So I just wanted to give my positive vibes yeah. um to the Albany. And it kind of works hand in hand because yep. his latest video is about Albany's offense and how surprising they have been. So if you haven't seen it, uh go to NLL.com, go to NLL socials, you'll see Cooper's. Luscious locks and his pretty face talk about some some fancy numbers. The one
0: I the one that stands out for me last year was um San Diego's fast break and transition game. It was like 87% of their passes from the goaltender were with were short of like five yards of center. Like they were never throwing long balls, they were Mm -hmm. always short outlet, quick passes. Keep maintain possession, get up the floor, don't turn it over if you don't have to. And I just remember that one standing out to me where most teams were like 60% were passes over center from the goaltender, and his was and San Diego's was like 80 something. I was like, man, they just do not like throwing the ball away. And and it just goes to show how good they were in transition because they were constantly making smart plays with the ball and taking care of the ball and not turning it over. So, as much as analytics kind of twists my brain into a mind melt. There are some really interesting factoids that you can find from there just to dissect the game a little bit, which is always fun from an announcer's standpoint, just gives you more to talk about.
2: Yeah, it's it's more to dive in, and and again, uh, there's you know when you talk to a lot of baseball fans, when you talk to even some basketball and hockey fans, like there there's there's a clear cut that you know there's the analytics folks and and there's the eye test folks. I hope it, it gets to a point where we're in lacrosse where there can be like a happy medium in the middle. Um, but we need those numbers there, and um, you know I, I mentioned them already, but. You know, uh, Ty Merrill's a, another guy as well. Go, yeah. you can check his website out at uh, Ty Merrill Lacrosse, um, or go to his his uh, socials, Ty Merrill Lac. He's got some great stuff cooking up there too. So, um, overall, positive vibes for some forward thinkers when it comes to stats.
0: The Georgia Swarm finished last season with a record of eight and ten after starting the year oh. 0- and seven. A huge part of that turnaround was the play of Brett Dobson who was in the running for Rookie of the Year if it wasn't for Jonathan Donville absolutely torching the league in his rookie season. But Dauber and the Swarm are off to a hot start, 1-0, much better than they did last year. And he joins us this week on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. Coming off an opening win on week two, the Georgia Swarm have won nine of their last twelve games, dating back to last season. And Brett Dobson, one of the main reasons for that streak, joins us on the show. Dobber, how are you, brother?
1: Doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. I don't think I've done this with you guys yet, so it's gonna be lots of fun.
0: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll talk a lot of things. We'll uh, we'll get insights onto everything. But what's on Brett Dobson's Christmas wish
1: list? That's a good question. Uh, hopefully, two more wins against Vancouver and Colorado. Um, other than that, maybe some new New Balance gear from New Balance and it'll be a good Christmas.
0: Yeah, fair enough. All right. So, New Balance, if you're listening,
1: he's a uh, size, what, size 11? Size 11, true. Sure, yeah, they take good care of me. I can't complain about them.
0: <laughs> um, let, let's go back to that game on the weekend. From a viewer's point, it seemed like it was a very chippy game. Like all game long, there was back picks, extra slashes. You know, it just continued to build over that game, and then resulting in the chaos at the end. But from from your crease, did it seem like it was a chippy game between you guys?
1: To be honest, not really. I mean, I think each, both team was you know both teams were feeling each other out. It's the first game of the season. Um, you kind of you, you know you get those jitters. You're kind of getting ready to go, right? And I think that. um for us as a team, right? Like once the score kind of starts to kind of get out of a certain range and at hand, it starts to get a little more chippier. And I know mm-hmm. that the league this year has tried to put rules in place to make sure that stuff kind of doesn't happen that often. But at the end of the day, this is a business, right? And, you know, it was a home opener for us. I think for our fans and something, you know, they enjoyed probably hopefully, right? And I think that's the aspect of lacrosse and it sells tickets and it puts people in seats. So uh, hopefully it wasn't too, too chippy that the audience didn't enjoy it too much, but it was also good to get a win there too.
0: Well, I'm pretty sure everybody enjoyed
2: watching it. <laughs> I know we enjoyed it. Yeah, um, you guys had to enjoy some some lacrosse in week one. You had had the bye, didn't get to get into the action right away. A few teams, but you were one of them. Uh, what was that like? What, did you guys have a extra week of camp, practice, whatever it may be? How did you guys get ready uh, while some of the other teams in the league got to get their season going?
1: Yeah, so we uh, we actually pushed our camp um, so starting the first week in November, knowing that um, once we found out we were off the opening weekend, we pushed it all back a week. So that opening week, we had a couple practices within the league um, rules to have um, down here in Atlanta, um, and we combined that with uh, there's a swarm box across the league that's uh, down here. So we had a bunch of players helping out, teaching the young bucks how to play properly, and um, combine that with you know a team event at Top Golf and all that kind of fun stuff. So it was great. Uh, and I thought that, you know, really helped the team kind of gel and mix together. And then, uh, you know, for us to be able to kind of go out there the first weekend I went to huge, we didn't have too many wins like that last year. So it's going to get one early. Who was who the best golfer of the group? Uh, Jordan McIntosh looked pretty good. Although I did beat him in the one game we played, but I, okay <laughs> because I brought up the only hit my driver and didn't play proper golf. So <laughs> he looked the best. Though I will say him and ran again, look pretty good. Uh, you mentioned, you know,
0: you didn't have too many wins like that last year. Is there a bit of a different feel around this group? Because, you know, you're obviously off to a better start than last year. But, you know, knowing what you guys did in the back half of that season, is it a lot better feeling amongst the group right now?
1: Yeah, I think um, for a lot of us, we're not very happy with how the season ended last year. And for the guys that have been here a while, the last two seasons, not making the playoffs for the swarm Organization is something that we don't want to do. Um, And for us to lose that way uh, at the end of the year, left the sour taste, I know, in my mouth and definitely some other guys' mouths. And I think that... Um, with the way the summer went for a lot of the guys playing in the Six Nations Chiefs and winning the Man Cup, I think that energy's kind of translated into the locker room this year. And I think that you look around the room, you know what you're getting out of everybody, right? We got a couple of newcomers. I think we only had one rookie in the lineup. So it's, uh, it's a lot different now that guys are starting to get their legs under you. And I think the expectation's a lot higher, too. I know for myself as well, like, you know, there's none, oh, he's a rookie anymore, right? You got to hold yourself accountable the same way they hold every other goalie who's in the league that way. And I think that for myself, I got to continue to keep chipping forward and getting better and better each week. You
2: mentioned the Six Nations Chiefs winning uh, in the summer. You obviously had some winning yourself, winning a PLL championship, finals MVP with the Archers, but you're in a little bit of a a different situation than some of the guys. You're you're going from field lacrosse goalie to box lacrosse goalie. Is there any sort of confidence carryover, even though it's kind of like you're playing a, a different position?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for myself, like it's, it's not easy to do that. I mean, it takes a little bit of time to adjust to it, but with the way that the pro leagues work out, you got a little bit of a, you know, month or so before camp starts. So to be able to get integrated back into it, it was great. And um, I do feel like, you know, winning is something that you want to chase every time, right. In that kind of high, um, no matter what league it's in, um, you want to be able to do it as much as you can. So um, that feeling is, is, you know, undescribable undes- when you win something like that. Right. So I think, to be able to do that with this group down in Georgia would be awesome. And I think that's the goal that everyone's striving towards, and it's allowed me to be a little more confident in my abilities. It also helps that um, our defense has been great in front of me; has done a good job of, you know, giving me shots I want to see. There's a lot I would have liked to have had back last game, but at the end of the day, you know, you can't dwell on that. You're going to focus on Vancouver coming up this week and uh, move forward.
0: How much more comfortable are you in between the pipes now that you're, you're in year two
1: compared to my first start last? Year, 100 <laughs> more comfortable they're <laughs> always joked about it like i've joked a few times like i got lit up my first game against buffalo now um i feel comfortable like we didn't like i said we didn't win many of these at the start of the year right so um to get a win at home from our fans is awesome and to be able to play you know decently well i feel like from it wasn't a perfect game on my end but um to do that's huge and i think that um you know it it's just it's awesome winning especially when you're at home with your teammates you get to enjoy it uh you know when there's an old saying right winning cures everything so it, it helps with that stuff
0: and is there a is there a difficult transition from box goalie to field goalie like mentally
1: yeah like I feel like um the expectation's a little different right you're supposed to make almost every save in box whereas in yeah. field you know you, you get a little leniency uh, obviously I try to make every save possible but um you know you're expected to make anything north of 55 percent is a good game in the PLL rate so in the NL you want to shoot for 80 percent so that difference in percentages is, is oftentimes um, a lot but at the same time you got to not think about that stuff it's just one play one shot at a time and as you start to go through it they'll start to add up mentally and you'll be in good shape. In your preparation um,
2: are you are you kind of a, a goalie that kind of just worries about your own game? Are you watching film? Do you have shooting charts? What what, what kind of goalie are you from Monday to Friday in the preparation for games?
1: Yeah, I think um, I, I do watch a lot of film. I'm a locks rat myself, so I'm always watching a lot of things. Um, watching a lot of games on the weekends and stuff like that, too, so that's awesome. And you know, Obviously, with the the new rollout, of the stand, uh, unified standings and the top eight teams make the playoffs, you kind of do have to pay attention to every game, but um, a lot of film on Wednesday. I get lots of shots with my teammates to make me feel, you know, better about myself. There's sometimes where I get lit up, so it's not the <laughs> greatest thing in the world. But you go back to the, you know, the drawing board and you try and figure things out. And um, obviously, there's a lot of charts too. I think the analytics don't lie. Um, and if you're able to look at certain things like that, it can help you kind of develop your game a bit better and have a better, have a comfortability with. And obviously, the same goes for them, right? They're going to start to feel more comfortable with me if they haven't seen me before, and I got to realize that and accept that and not, not get too kind of. Flustered with how things go that way, too. So, yeah, a lot of film, a lot of studying um, and kind of just making sure that I'm doing something to make sure that my game is better.
0: You mentioned the unified standings. You guys are heading to Vancouver this weekend. Georgia as a team hasn't been there since 2020. Um, How cool is it for you to know that you're going to be able to go to other cities more often and, and play teams more often?
1: Yeah, I think it's really cool. I mean, um, from a player's perspective, right, it's, it's just really cool to see kind of all these cities and go out there and enjoy with your teammates. Uh, another perspective, you know, if you live far away, you get the sky miles up, right? You get the <laughs> miles, <to laughs> Can't complain about that. Um, yeah. But at the same time, too, I think it's good to see all the areas where, um, you know, as, a, as an Eastern guy, you know, right, you don't really get to see as much on the West Coast. Like, I didn't get a chance to play out there for senior or junior, right? So being able to see that. Um, kind of fan base and the growth of the sport is really cool and unique. And I think that the West Coast oftentimes is very grateful for lacrosse. And, you know, I saw a lot of that in the PLL this summer. I'm looking forward to seeing that in the NLL as we play in Vancouver uh, this weekend, and obviously Colorado next weekend. So we obviously
2: know you're going to play different teams. You're going to see different cities, but from, from the actual standing point itself, you guys probably maybe would have felt if, if, you know, The season went a little bit different. Maybe if these unifying standings were were last year, you guys might have made it because you would have been able to play everyone. But at the same time, if you start the way that you did last year, there is no way that you can make the top eight with such a poor start was getting off to a hot start, a hot topic in training camp or leading up to preparation in your guys first game.
1: Uh, In all honesty I think um, not necessarily it was a hot topic I think it's just taking care of what we can control in ourselves right if we do what we know we can do and um, take care of what we can control I think that um, ultimately will help kind of work itself out right so um, I do think you know on the outside looking in it might seem that way but I think within the room it's just hey do what we do best do our job like that team that played the last, what, 10 games of year last year is completely different than the team that played the first day and let's keep that momentum rolling and obviously we're going to have some bumps in the road and some hiccups and stuff happens, right? Guys might get hurt. Guys going to get traded. Guys might get, you know, brought back in the lineup, right? But at the end of the day, right, like I felt like when we got into training camp intensity was high. We had a big training camp this year had right? a lot of guys come in that, um, you know, the old saying goes, iron sharpens iron, right? So we were able to work through that and get better as a team and I felt like uh, everyone was on the same page as we kind of got on this weekend and I think the um, the plan is to be on the same page, obviously, for the next 18 games, right? But you can't always be on the same page as sh- you know, shit's going to happen. But we just got to work through it and we'll be good. Eddie Como
0: and Sean Ferris have been together for like 20 years as a coaching duo. What are they like away from the rink as just travel buddies and, and guys that you're, you're with around all the time?
1: I think we characters sometimes, um, yeah. but they're also down to earth and great people. Um, I think from Eddie's perspective, he has a unique way of understanding the game. And I think that, um, with how good his knowledge is in the sport, like he looks at things to be like, wow, like looking at it in the moment, you don't see that. And then like, after you hear him kind of say something, you're like, wow, that's really cool. Um, and you know, I obviously spend, you know, some more time with Chai than most. And I think that, um, you know, he's obviously got a knack for lacrosse the same way I do. I think that he's, uh, um, a guy who prepares and over prepares for everything, watches a ton of film. Um, and I think that, um, those two together are successful and there's, you know, they've been together for a while, what they got two or three championships yeah. together, at least in the NLL, a couple and sixes in the world's games. Right. So, um, and then not to mention the earlier days of the rock. So, um, anybody who's been around the game that long, um, you know, you have a lot of respect for, and you want to just kind of be a sponge around them and pick up certain things that, you know, some of the greats that they coached before you had. Is Chai extra hard on you? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> he kind of lets me do my thing a bit, but um, I think him and I go hand in hand with the success. I feel like of where this team can go as a D coach and a goalie, right? You want to be on the same page of the shots you're giving up, the schemes, how to fix things, right? If I'm giving up a couple goals that isn't on the defense, it's on me. I got to let them know that. And I think the relationship I have with them's is um, unique in that way. And I'm able to tell them that. Um. So the two guys you just mentioned, obviously
2: lack rat, Lax Rats, you're a lax rat. So you've obviously watched some film on Vancouver. I know they only put up seven goals in their opener, uh, but obviously a lot of dynamic pieces on that offense. What problems could they uh, give you and your defense this
1: week? Um, I, I think that um the fact that I only I, I heard um it was it was a jumbos podcast the other after the week one it said that uh they didn't score any goals from the right side. I think Tino had mentioned yeah. that, but they actually did. They had a kill and dunk goal called off, but I'll count it anyways. But the ratings to score, <laughs> I think, are going to be something that I think, you know, they're going to be looking at the uh, the chomp to kind of go at because, I mean, anytime Keegan Ball doesn't score, it's not a good thing. And I don't think, you know, Big Cat Crowley is going to be too happy about not scoring. So being able to see those guys kind of um, want to go get on the scoreboard is going to be something that could cause us some problems. And I think that um, – they also have a, some really good players on the left side, like Riley Lowen. I believe, has got championship experience. Adam Charlene Beatty is a is a great player himself. Ryan Martell, I think had one or two goals and watching tape on him, he's, he's a great player. Um, and I think that you always got to worry about Reed Bowering in transition, right? And not to mention Owen Grant. Owen Grant's a horse out there. Yeah. Great player. Um, and uh, watching the first half of the game against Panther City, you can see that they're in there in that game, right? But the second half, it kind of you know, fell off a bit. So I think that... For us, you got we got to understand too. hey, this is a good team as well. Any team that's coached by Kurt Malowski is gonna, you know, play it you know balls to the wall every weekend. And I think that they're gonna be a uh, a team to you know not mess with. And I think that they got a, a lot of good pieces on D two. They got Dilksy. They got Beers. They got Boldy in the net. Man, like they're a good squad. They just gotta you know put things together. Right, they just kind of play their first game. This is gonna be their second. So a lot of things are gonna come together. So um, yeah, just making sure we take away their transition and you know keeping those ratings in check. Cause I think they're going to be looking to go off this weekend.
0: You were the first St. Bonnie's player recruited. Uh, and then you were drafted in the pro leagues as the first Bonnie's alum. What's it like being the torchbearer for that program?
1: Uh, it's awesome to see. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of it gets put on my shoulders, but at the same time, we can't you know forget about Sean Wesley who had that awesome goal. Um, you know, this weekend, Greg, that's your boy back in the eye heads. Absolutely. Right? Roll heads, um, baby. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think for like us, like obviously now there's I think there's uh, four guys that are on rosters right now from St. Bonaventure and, you know, being able to carry the torch is huge. I mean, I remember going through the recruiting process and like thinking about how um, valuable and how cool it would be to be able to start a program. And obviously back then you dream of, you know, playing in the PLL and playing in the NLL and all that kind of stuff. But they actually be out there and do it. And the carry of torch is huge. Cause I think that a lot of things can um, come with that. I think it can get a lot of recruits to go there and to build that program up. And it's an awesome place to go to school. Like there's everything you could ask for. Uh, sometimes the weather could be a little difficult, for you. <laughs> but if you love snow, it's a good place to be. And um, I look at coach Mearns as, you know, as a guy who's very well connected, um, his, as you would put it in business terms, his contacts and connections are tremendous in the lacrosse world. And I think that um, he's able to get a lot of guys to places and, um, you know, I think he, I'm not sure if he has a job in finance or sales beforehand, but he's pretty good <laughs> at selling things. And I think that um, he was able to sell me there on that at school. And um, I think he was able to return the favor by selling me to some coaches. And obviously me playing how I can play and keeping his word intact is going to be good for the guys that come in the future. Right. So um, it's going to be cool to see where things go within you know, the next 10 years and see any more alumni in the pros. Hopefully we can top the amount of guys he's had from Canisius. Right. Because that's one of our rivals.
2: You mentioned Wesley. Obviously, he was also your teammate growing up in Whitby. Uh, Dyson Williams gets drafted first overall to Albany. Obviously not in the league yet, but he'll be there soon. How special is it seeing a lot of these guys that, you know, from a little kid, you grew up playing with these guys, you know, for Whitby, for the Warriors. And now you guys are getting older and, and a bunch of these guys that you went to battle for so many years are playing at the pro ranks now.
1: I mean it's crazy like I think back to uh, you know those paperweight days when you're you're first picking up a stick and kind of rolling around (laughs) it there and then obviously a lot of us end up going to the hill together and be able to continue from our minor careers to the hill to then into junior it's pretty unique and awesome I think that um, you know kind of going around and looking back to it and seeing kind of things happen and obviously I was lucky enough to have Willie coach me from when I was four to 21. And, um, when Dyson got drafted, I was able to go to the, the hall of fame dinner and I felt like it was a full circle moment for me just because, you know, the guy that got me here, um, is getting inducted to the hall of fame. His son's about to get drafted. The guy that I've played 80% of my lacrosse with, we could always push 90 probably with, you know, the only time we haven't really played together is in college and, yeah. um, and the pros now, but that could change. You never know. Um, so seeing the opportunity that we had there is pretty cool. And then obviously, with Sean, like going, to, I've played with him for so long, so many years. He's given me so many issues in practice and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> I'm just so happy that he's able to get the success that he's had right now. And um, he's worked so hard to be where he is. And um, for him to be able to kind of grind it out and score that big goal for uh, Vegas last week is awesome. And I mean, I can't say I would have been thinking about where he put it in the back of my mind because he's probably lit me up a few times with that exact shot. <laughs> so I don't feel as bad. But um, it's 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 really cool to see that and just think about how many guys. I've played with that cut draft this year. Not to mention, too, like guys like Adam Potras, who played with me. He's a year younger than me, but played every other year with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brock Haley I played a lot with as well. Ben McDonnell, um, to name a few guys. Right. So um, the one thing that I'm still choked about is we didn't get a chance to win a Minto. But the one a troop got that job done. So, uh, yeah, it's unique to see. And I think it's awesome to see all those guys come out of Whippy. Were you always the goalie? No. So I started out as a, as a player um, for my first few years. Um, I was a hockey goalie. Uh, and it's a kind of a funny story too. I got diagnosed with diabetes. Um, and once I got diagnosed, I was like, okay, like I might make this switch over to goalie. But prior to that, um, we had a girl goalie by the name of Haley McIntyre, who actually also ended up at St. Bonaventure as well. She went down with heat stroke and my dad being you know, on the and staff, was just like, Hey, you're going to net. I was like, okay, sounds good. And, uh, and I ended up loving it. And then obviously being diagnosed with diabetes, I made the switch over to be goalie. And I kind of never looked back since like I loved it. I'm also a little lazy. I don't like to run as much. <laughs> so being a net, it kind of saves that. And I think that I'm in my own unique space out there and it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you bring up your
0: diabetes. Um, on the Lack Schooly Rat podcast a few years ago, you said that you wouldn't be who you are without your diabetes. What did you mean by that?
1: Um, I think that's, uh, you know, the same way that lacrosse is integrated into my personality and my diabetes is there as well. There's certain things that I got to, you know, take care of. Um, you know, that other people might not understand, like, whether it be my pump beeping all the time for if it's going my blood sugar is going low, or um, sometimes I might have to sit out with some sprints because my blood sugar is going low. It happened a few times in college, right? And um, being able to kind of have that, um, that disease makes you kind of see life from a different perspective. Like there's a lot of things that you have to worry about that not a lot of people, um, not a lot of other people have to deal with, right? I think that um, by having this disease as well, it can be a role model for a lot of people with the disease or with different diseases. I could think back to um, one of the games we had played last year in, in Georgia. Um, There's a kid banging on the glass and you don't necessarily tend to give kids attention, but he was a goalie and I waved back to him and I guess it made his day and flash forward to the last game of the year. We had a, a signing option opportunity for everyone at the game and um, he had a blood clotting disease and um, he was asking me, he was in tears to just ask me like, how do I play with my diabetes? Cause it's such an inspiration for him with his blood clotting disease stuff. So, I see him at every game now. I work with him for some goalie lessons. So being able to be a role model like that in the community is awesome. And to see um, stuff like that on kids' faces and smiles, and see that obviously they're struggling with something, but this is you know something that can get them through it is awesome for me to be able to you know utilize and do. And I think that you know it all kind of ties together with why I wouldn't be myself without this disease, right? Because I'm just kind of passing knowledge forth with it and being a good example for others
0: how do you manage your levels? Like, and, and how quickly do you notice when they're dropping? Is that a lot to do with your pump? And like, do you have one of the ones in your arm?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, this is more of a, obviously we're in video now. It's probably going to be audio, but I got a sensor yeah. my arm here. Yeah. Um, it, it sends a lot of information into my insulin pump um, and tells me where my blood sugar is at. So being able to maintain it, um, it's got a little easier, but I can't say I've been the best at it. sometimes. There's always going to be incidents that pop up some way, somehow, whether yeah. it be a pump breaking or my blood sugar is going low and I got to Drive some sugar, some dots. Usually, I can feel it within my body when it's happening. Um, and I can like try to prevent it. I usually try to let it run a little higher before games because, um, if it gets low, then I can notice that, like, my like, there's an ongoing joke a couple guys were shooting on me last year. Um, I would stand a net and they just like shot after shot. I was like seeing it and I was just turning in balls and back of the net, back of the net, back of the net. So I was like, Hey, your blood sugar low? I was like, Yeah, it is. Like, I get some sugar. So, Um, I I can see it that way. So I'd rather be on the higher end of it. So that way that I can still perform. Um, But being higher is not great for long-term lower, um, you know, obviously short-term it's not great, but it's better long-term, right? So you got to kind of play your cards and try to prepare that way. I remember Scott Ranger, who another NLL player was outspoken about his
0: battle with diabetes. What do you, you know, you're talking about that young kid and and, and giving him some time, but what do you say to the younger generation dealing with it and, and managing it from day to day?
1: Hey, it's, everything's going to be okay. Uh, technology these days are, are going to, it's going to help me. It's only going to get better and better. And I think that, um, looking at myself, I've always oftentimes said like, you know, when I was younger, why me? Right. But you know, it's something that you get to live with. You get to make the choices and you got to kind of grow up a little quicker with that stuff. So, um, I think that, uh, there's going to be some tough days where your doctors kind of give you shit about stuff and like, you got to make sure that you can be better with it. But, um, you know, to those kids, I think you just gotta keep going, keep pushing, keep pushing yourself to get through it. Um, you're not the only one in that position. There's lots of other people that you know, come with you. You just don't necessarily know it. Um, and with the power of social media today, like I feel like there's a lot of people on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter promoting the diabetic community. And I, I you know, for myself, pretty soon I think I'm gonna start getting involved in that. I haven't necessarily um, been able to do that. I didn't really feel fully comfortable with that yet. Um, but now, as I'm kind of seeing things, things have changed. So um i'm hoping to try and do some uh doctor stuff visits in, in georgia with a lot of the fans here and try and set something up um to get kids with diabetes out the games and be able to go through that now that's a longer term play um but giving the kids the opportunity to kind of speak with me who have diabetes and stuff like that it's pretty cool like to kind of do something the same way max domi's done it for the lacrosse or for hockey sorry so i think it's really cool that way so yeah hey keep going um and uh you're gonna hang in there man it's gonna be okay
2: That's awesome. That's awesome. It's great to see, you know, young kids have, you know, role model look up, especially a guy that's represented Canada, you know, a few times on on the big stage, including last year in in San Diego. But the biggest stage of them all, we found out LA 2028 lacrosse will be at the the Olympics. Lacrosse sixes will be there. Uh, Hopefully you'll be there. The thought of you being an Olympian, what, what goes through your mind when you think of
1: that? Well, I think it's pretty unique and cool. I mean, if I would have told some of the boys back in college that i possibly be an Olympian one day, they'd say bullshit <laughs> with that physique on you. But uh, um, I think that, um, you know, it's a really cool opportunity. And I think that being able to live it is awesome. And I think to be able to pave the way for all these younger kids to come up and play the sport. And, you know, I'm grateful enough now that I, you know, I'm, lacrosse is my full-time job, uh, whether it be through coaching, playing, uh, being a high school coach. And all that kind of stuff, it's great, but I think that with the way that the Olympic push is going, there's gonna be so many more kids playing. I think that, um, uh, it'd be really cool. And I remember talking with my mom, my mom had sent me a text, uh, back in 2010 when you know the Olympics were obviously in Vancouver, um, staying up late to watch, you know, who was named to the Canadian men's hockey team, seeing if Cindy Cross was on, stuff like that. Like, I think that'll be pretty unique. and I think for a lot of Canadians, it'll be really cool to see who gets announced for the lacrosse roster if they be only be in 12 guys. Um, and I think hopefully being able to be a, a part of that and be in that would be really, really cool. And I think that the Sixes game itself is a lot of fun. Like we played it in Birmingham. It was awesome. I enjoyed it. It was hot, but it was a lot of fun. And I think that um, although it's a different version of lacrosse, it's still great for the sport and pushing it forward. And uh, it, all these new journeys and sponsorships, opportunities that come about of it is going to be really cool to see kind of what happens after 2028. Do you think they
0: forgot about the mental well-being of goaltenders when they created sixes?
1: <laughs> yes and no, because if you're going to shoot from deep, I mean, if you miss the net, it's our ball. Yeah. Just go ahead right. shoot it, right? I almost feel like, um, you know, if you're going to stick a corner, stick a corner, but I felt, like in the PLL version of it, I thought it was, yeah, okay, the goalies are getting peppered, but in the in the summer um, we played in Birmingham, I didn't think it was that bad. But Right. Maybe they should have thought more about the players' well-being with the heat out there.
0: <laughs> Dobber, <laughs> appreciate you, my man. You are a torchbearer for the Bonnies, for the diabetes community, and for the future of goaltenders. Um, can't wait to see you this weekend in Vancouver. Safe travels, happy holidays, and we'll talk to you soon,
1: brother. Thanks, fellas. Take care. See you, Dobber. Good, Good luck this weekend, you. man. Thank you. All
0: right, that's Brett Dobson. And may I be a forward thinker and just say – that you could probably pen his name in to the team Canada roster for 2028. And he might be the only guy you could pen in
2: there. You're, you're probably right, man. You're probably right. I didn't want to be the one to say it, but you're you're probably (laughs) right. Like, like is probably going
0: to be there. Um, You know, Donville's probably going to be there, but it's five years from now. You have no idea what's going to happen. And Mm -hmm. barring any injuries or anything crazy happening, I truly believe the one constant and the one for sure is the fact that Jonathan – or sorry, that Brett Dobson is going to be the goalie for Team Canada when lacrosse sixes makes its debut at the Olympics in 2028.
2: Well, I know the roster probably will be around 12, but you got to think you'd have to at least carry two goalies. Cause what happens yeah. if one goalie gets hurt Exactly. or if there's a taxi squad or whatever it may be. So mm-hmm. he's going to be there. He's going to be in the, gonna be so um, you know, he's, he's world-class on, on the field. He's obviously a great role model for, for so many kids that are, um, you know, diabetic or even just, just, even just kids that are looking, you know, goal, young goalies, like, um, the growth to see out of out of Dauber is awesome. Like mm-hmm. uh, he's a guy that I saw used to see buzzing around the arenas at Iroquois Park when uh, when the Brooklyn Lacrosse Club were playing, and Sean Williams was out on the floor, or he was over at Willie's house when I was there, and he's you know playing mini sticks, and I'm playing mini sticks with them, and yeah. he's in the backyard in the pool, whatever it may like to see the same kid and and even the First time we talked, I know we said it was the first time on off the crossbar, but I believe we had him on coast-to-coast coast only a year ago, right? Not even a year ago. Yeah, less than. To see, to see how comfortable he's getting in front of the camera, in front of the microphone, like he is going to be a spokesperson for the game of lacrosse for a long time.
0: Week three the National Lacrosse League is upon us, and we have five games, one on Friday, four on Saturday, and some interesting matchups uh in the new unified standings 0 and 2 Sask against 1 and 1 Vegas 2 and 0 Albany against 1 and 1 Philly 1 0 Halifax versus the Riptide who are winless the Seals who are 1 0 take on the Bandits who are 0 1 in Banner night and then the 1 and 0 Swarm take on the 1 and 0 Warriors that is your TSN game of the week so let's start Friday Sask at Vegas Vegas coming off an emotional overtime win the Rush uh you know, two tough losses to start the season. These are two teams that have playoff hopes. they we most people kind of see them as bubbly teams, but this is a very well matched matchup between these two clubs. Both very fast at the back end, great offenses, fast defenses, and, and two good coaching staffs.
2: Yeah, it's, it's going to be a really good game. You, I, I think you you laid it out there perfectly, but I think the big thing that I'm looking for in this game from one team standpoint is locking it down a little more. Sask's defense and goaltending through two games has been concerning. Yes. To say the least. Yes. You're not going to win a lot of lacrosse game. Like They've given up 33 goals. Mm-hmm. In two games. That's not that's not a great formula for winning. And yes, we know they upgraded their offense. And Zach Mans, wow, like how good has he looked through two games. And
0: great goats 2024.
2: I, I think that's a safe assumption to say after his first two games. And and I think the big concern for this rush team, I think they can safely say putting the ball in the net is not going to be an issue this year. Maybe we go through some spurts, but they're They have to have a game here where their defense and Frank Chiliano or heck, even if Lane Rucka ends up in the, a goalie has to take the net here. If they're going to win this game, one of these goalies, and I'm sure they're hoping it's going to be Frank Chiliano because they brought him in to be that guy. Someone's going to have to win them a game here. And against a Vegas offense that has shown, you know, highs and lows, they're going to go on their runs, but if you can if you can stifle them for for a bit and keep them on their on their heels, I think there's no reason why they can't win. But on the flip side, Vegas coming off like a, you know a really impressive win, uh, an emotional win, yeah. aren't those the type of wins that you, you feel like that's what catapults you on a run? Like I think I think this is probably maybe not the most aesthetically pleasing game possibly the most important game this early in the season i think each team can go into different trajectory i completely
0: agree um you know we mentioned vegas got to be able to play 12 rounds last week we were talking and setting up this game and they might have kind of taken a few jabs and a few uppercuts in the first few rounds but once they got their feet back on them they started punching back and they Mm -hmm. started taking the edge and then you know again later in the you know the Eighth, ninth, tenth round, Panther City hit him with a couple one twos. And then Sean Wesley scores in the 11th round to tie it late. Like, what is it? Point eight they put back on? Like, by the skin yeah. of their teeth, they tie that game, which, hold on. And then, 12th round, <coughs> Zach Rear scores the winner in classic Zach Rear fashion. But the one thing I go back and look at that game, Panther City had the ball. And then they threw it away, which allowed Vegas to get possession for that Mm -hmm. final goal. Those are things that will drive coaches nuts. And I'm sure TK let his team know uh, very boisterously about ball possession in the final seconds of a game. So, again, you got to be able to play a full game. And Sask hasn't done it yet. Vegas hasn't done it yet, but they're getting better. So, um, you're right. Maybe not the most high-profile game. Uh, but it is the only game on Friday night, so it should get a lot of eyes. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Saturday, Albany at Philly. We talked about 2-0 Albany going up against a banged-up Philly team. This is a perfect opportunity for Albany to continue this hot streak going against a Philly team that's kind of broken and bruised right now. But it'll be interesting to see what Philly does to fill those holes of Blaze and holding the Tony because I haven't seen anything yet.
2: No, this this is if you're if Albany's going to be legit, and if Albany's going to be a team that's going to be sniffing around in the playoffs or get into the playoffs, they got to come out with a win here. It's 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 like a you know a predator seeing its prey injured and wounded. They got to jump on them. And they got to jump on them early. They can't allow Philly to hang around. But with that being said, is this not the perfect buy low spot for the Wings? Yeah, you know. Didn't look very good against Toronto. They're injured. If what makes with the besides the injuries, what makes you believe that this isn't the same team that everyone thought was going to take steps? That, yeah, sure. Two very, very, very important injuries, but yeah. they're still young. They're still fast on the back end. Higgins is still a, you know a, a top echelon goalie in yeah. this league. And I think if, if Philly's going to win, it's going to be a Mitch Jones night. He's going to put yeah. up 8, 10 points, something like that. And uh, I'm looking forward to this one as well. I, I think I think it's a very important game for both sides. Um, is this an afternoon game too? Uh, I want to say it is. I feel like it is because I feel like a lot. I think Philly's got a lot of afternoon. Yes, it is. 1 p.m. Ooh. Eastern. So it's a morning game for you, Teddy. You can still be in your PJs. No, I'll be a shooter, around, man. Oh, I'll, right.
0: home be, I'll be watching that shoot around. We'll
2: watch it. That's right. That's right.
0: I, I just I got to make sure I keep the phone down low, so if Kurt Melosky looks in the stand, <laughs> he doesn't see me on my phone and yell at me for uh, filming practice.
2: Uh, you should ask the uh, the the crew at the rods to <laughs> throw up the jumbotron. jumbotron. <laughs> Dude, it is.
0: I I don't think people really noticed it or would have gotten a chance to really understand how big it was. There's a brand new jumbotron in Rogers. It is ginormous, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't even see the full thing from the broadcast booth. It's that big.
2: Yeah. I saw – I don't know if it was the Warriors tweeted out something or maybe it was, like, from a Canucks game, but I saw it and, I, like, I gasped. It is yeah. – <laughs> it's it's huge. It's and, bigger and than some teams arenas, man.
0: Yeah. And talking with one of the guys who works there, who who's our sort of A2, he said that the new scoreboard – actually caused so many headaches because they had to like rewire all the audio and for like the whole arena. Cause it just, it was so big. They had to take so much stuff out to fit that thing in there. Um, it, it was a wild, wild scene. So yeah, maybe a little late morning, early afternoon lacrosse after shoot around on Saturday, everyone else can sit and watch from the coach Halifax at the riptide. I don't know what it is um, and why these two teams don't like each other so much. But there seems to be a bitter rivalry between these two clubs and has led to some fantastic lacrosse games, and it's kind of gone both ways. But these are two teams that, again, have playoff aspirations. Halifax off to a hot start in that first game, haven't played since. New York got off to a slow start, tried to climb their way back, couldn't pull off the comeback in their opening loss. So they both had a week to regroup. It'll be interesting to see who comes out of the gates the fastest in this one.
2: To quote Lavar Ball, never lost. <laughs> the Halifax Thunderbirds have never lost to the New York Riptides. Six and zero. Oh. Really? Because it feels like they've played a lot of close games. I mean, the first game that they played against each other, Halifax won by a billion, but they are six and oh, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. And them. you no, you're right though. You're right. This team, they do not like each other. They've played some, some really close games. They've had a couple of blowouts, but the thing, the, the, the big thing for me is, is that, you know, when you, when you look at this Riptide team, they all off season long have told us this is a different team. This is a different defense. Oh, we've got our goalie of the future. Jeff Teed is the best player on the planet. This is a prove-it game, to me, yeah. to be quite frank. You cannot lose another game to the Thunderbirds. You cannot lay another egg in front of that home crowd. Like, this is a game that is that you must have. You have to have this game. And, you know, actually, I don't know if you have the – the. Uh, were you trying to pull up the historical – Yeah, yeah. Games between them? Yeah, because I, I, I'm actually interested to see what those scores were because I know there have been a few blowouts. Uh,
0: the first game uh, was 12-4 back on December 7th, 2019. And then a 13-10 win... Uh, February 2022, 16-13 win, April 23rd, 2022, a 20-11 to win on December 17th, 22, 13-12 last year, February 19th, and then a 15-6. So nothing out of hand. That nine-goal game is sort of the outlier. Most games are within a handful of goals. But you're right. New York has to find a way to win games. And whether it's just building a brick wall behind Cam Dunkerley, whether it's making the net bigger at the other, they got to find a way, any way to get this offense going. And yes, it starts with Jeff T. He has to be the number one threat, but they got to get everybody else going in that offense and everybody has to be a threat. And the way that this Halifax defense played in that opening game, it's not going to be easy at all. And the way Warren Hill played in that opening game, like this is a Halifax team that has a lot of fire in their belly to prove a lot of people wrong. Cause everyone's like, Oh, it's, it's Toronto. It's Philly. It, it's Buffalo. Everyone's kind of looking past this Halifax team. It seems to me from the outside, obviously in the inside, there's tons of belief in that room as always led by Mike Kersey, but this is a team that has a lot to prove. And Kurt Styrus has always said we're in win now mode. They always seem to get better with the moves that they make. And yeah, can they make it seven
2: or oh? If they do, I think it's a big proving spot for them. And you bring up a, a great point about the lack of hype. Maybe that's maybe that's a good thing for yeah. this group. Yep. Because it feels like the last three you know th- last three years. They've been, you know, near the top of the cool bet odds board to win the NLO Cup or the preseason you know, power rankings. They've been in the top three, in the top five. They're going under the radar and they just in week one laid a beat down on a rush team that put up 16 goals. And I, it's another week off that they had last week. That's another week for Randy Stotts to get more healthy. That's another week for Cody Jamison to to heal his bumps and bruises. And I just, for me, y- you bring up the defense. I know their offense is going to score in bunches. I know their offense is dynamic. It's, it, Car- I think Clark Peterson is, is going to have an unbelievable year, another career year, and maybe catapult himself into like superstar status. Yeah. But with that being said, if this team's going to take the next step, it's going to be the defense, it's going to be Warren Hill. And I think when all is said and done with this group, we're going to talk about how good the defense was this year.
0: Yeah, dude, this defense is getting better and better every year. And the way that like Haas is on a completely other level, but then you add, Thornbear. I thought mag I thought Luke Magnon was outstanding in week one and just being a physical presence and, and pushing the tempo and that defense doesn't give you an easy shift and I don't know um, if you know bringing in Andrew Suter is a bit of a different voice for that back end from Billy D um but yeah th- this is a defense that that never gives you a shift off they're in your face they pick you up early off the bench they step up in transition not trying to give easy passes they put you under pressure all over the floor and you have to have your a game you got to be making sure that you know to use a jumbo phrase there's no port moody bounce pass that guy's feet that you know <laughs> could skip by and the transition goes the other way so it's going to be obviously a very difficult task and then you add in of course the whiz at the dot the fact that Jay Thornbear, who he'll be going against, is the all-time leader in face-offs attempted. And is one of the all-time best face-off guys in league history. He has nowhere, never had nowhere near the numbers of Withers, but at least we're going to see someone who's going to be able to challenge Wiz and, and maybe throw something else at him that, you know, Saskatchewan not having a true draw guy would be able to. It might not be a 28 for 33 night for the Wiz, which might slow Halifax down a bit and give New York a few more extra possessions. But I'm excited to see what Wiz does after that phenomenal week one.
2: MVP conversation. MVP MVP conversation. conversation. Again,
0: I, I said it last week. If he averages two points a night, 15 plus loose balls, and is a 75- Face-off guy, he's in the MVP race, if not winning the MVP. Mark it down now. Game three on Saturday, Banner Night in Banditland. And, you know, aside from maybe having Toronto or Philly or Rochester there, I think bringing the Seals in, or maybe even Colorado, I think bringing the Seals in um, is going to make this an extra, extra intense game what is going to be a very memorable night. I think the
2: loss to Albany makes it even, yeah. even better. And I'm not going to say, like, I think they're just going to be even more hungry. And, you know, I, I, I didn't have a chance to to listen back if there's any audio out there from Coach Tavares or, or any of the players. But, you know, I, I'm sure they're disappointed with the way that that game finished. I'm sure Matt Vince is not pleased with the way he played. I'm sure that defense is pretty disappointed with how they played and, and they're saying to themselves, like if we play like that against the San Diego team, they'll rip us apart from limb to limb, but it's going to be a special night. Mm-hmm. That place is going to be loud. That place is going to be rocking. And uh, I, I high hope I don't know what the plan is for, from, from a broadcast standpoint. I hope it's more than just, here's a clip. Of what happened pregame, right? I hope I hope we get to go in and and watch the 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 banner raising live on the broadcast because it's going to be a special moment, man. That that fan base, that city has been, you know, they they waited so long for that championship, and uh, you know, Brandon Robinson kind of said we're we're not really thinking about last year, but we still have the banner. Like once that banner is up, last year's done. Yeah, it's a new season. Put a bow on it. Let's let's worry about the task at hand. And the task at hand is a San Diego team that looked pretty damn good last week.
0: They sure did. And, and with all the, the talk around, is Chris Origlieri going to be able to handle being a full-time starter in the National Cross League? He looked great. Um, and Austin's thoughts, my God. Did, did he – I think he – what, he had a hat-trick. Two of the goals were from outside the restraining line. Like – And and nobody plays with more fire and more energy and more passion than this guy. Every play is a big play and he lives for the moment. And I think he's going to take it to another level playing in bandit land close to home, have a lot of family and friends there And, and this seals team, you know, credit where credit is due. They, they took it to Calgary and they made a huge run in that second half. And that's, that's having strength. That's having belief. That's having the willpower to go out and do it as a lacrosse team, and it takes everybody from O-Rig all the way out to Audie Stotts and everybody in between. And the Bandits didn't have that in game one. They, you know, they kind of got caught up in the the aggression of that game. And and Ashley Miller was talking was interviewing uh, JT. In the game, and he's like, "Yeah, we gotta, we gotta be smarter offensively. We can't, we can't be taking penalties in the offensive zone." And much like that Colorado Georgia game, the defenders were taking that extra hit on a forward, an extra shot to the low back, an extra chop, uh, the cross check to the face of Audie Stotts. Like they were taking, or sorry to to Dahoga, they were taking every opportunity to try and get that extra one lick in and Buffalo being who Buffalo is and rightfully so stood up for every single one of their teammates at every single moment after every single one of those late shots. And sometimes, and this is kind of what JT is saying, you got to just take a mental note and just put it in the back pocket for later because you they were struggling early and they allowed Albany to get momentum and get rolling in Buffalo Uncharacteristically, just couldn't get back in that game, and a lot of that had to do with the amount of penalties they were taking. And sometimes, you, like I said, sometimes you just got to suck it up, take the extra punch, take the extra hit. Remember for a time later, then you can just blow a guy up on, on a back pick or, or do something that's just going to cause uh, a turnover and not a penalty, and not let teams gain momentum. So. I think that's going to be where Buffalo find success in this game because you know the Seals are going to come and try and push them around and try to get in their face and take the air out of that building. If they can stay composed and use the momentum of Banditland, then I think they're going to be okay. I don't expect San Diego to put 17 past Matt Vince. I don't think anyone will put 17 past them the rest of the year. But they have to be better as a collective unit and be ready for the moment because there is going to be a lot of energy in that building and the seals are probably just going to be sitting in the locker room laying low, waiting for all the festivities to end while Buffalo kind of has to stand there and let that energy from warm up just kind of fester and just kind of sit there and hopefully it doesn't come out of the tank. So I think this is easily the game of the weekend. I sure wish it was going to be an ESPN game. I know it's not, uh, but it will be on ESPN and TSN plus. So, get close to a TV, make sure you're watching it, and at the, end, at, at the end of that game, flip it over, Swarm and Warriors, as Georgia makes their first trip to Western or West Coast Canada, to be more specific, since 2020. This is one of the beauty parts of the unified schedule because the Seals or Swarm and Warriors never play each other. And it's amazing for Lower Mainland and BC lacrosse fans a chance to see an Andrew Q, a Brett Dobson, and an L four Lyle Thompson, who still is one of the best players on the planet.
2: This is what the unified standings all about, man. Like these, it's 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 really a, it's a shame that Vancouver haven't been able to see this team, haven't been able to see Lyle Thompson up close and personal since you know, twenty twenty. Yeah but they're going to get an opportunity and and boy it, it i hate i hate keep hammering this home but this game just feels like it's so much more important this early in the season because let's face it vancouver was pretty underwhelming mm-hmm. in their opener offensively just looked like same old vancouver george is a team that obviously they've they proved last week they they've proven at the end of last year. I know they've had a couple of costly losses, but you know, they believe that they should be in the playoffs and, and Vancouver believes they should be. There's a lot of teams that believe, believe they're in the playoffs. There's only yep. going to be eight teams that make it. So these games between these quote unquote bubble teams or teams that will be battling for playoff spots or battling for seeding, it means all that, all that much more. So I, I'm, I'm, really looking, looking forward to this one. Um, I mean, I think we can say it. Keegan Ball's not gonna have have zero <laughs> zero goals again. Yeah. I think that's pretty safe to say that 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 right side should come to life, but Georgia knows that. Brett Dobson even said it himself. They're they know there's gonna be a pushback. Um, this is a tough travel for for this Georgia team. Yeah, guys are coming from all over the place, but sounds like they're gonna have an interesting route to Vancouver. So all the more reason, man. If if you're Vancouver, you got to know you got the advantage playing at home. This is one that I think, when you're looking at the schedule, this one's a must-have. You, you got to have it. And I know it's too early to say must-win, but mm-hmm. damn, it feels it feels really close to that. Starting off 0-2 with Kurt Malowski, the new era. It just feels like all the positive vibes that were happening in the off-season. A lot of that momentum would be gone.
0: Yeah. Um, selfishly, this is only the second time that I'll have ever called a Lyle Thompson lacrosse game. So I'm definitely wow. looking forward to that. Um, it, he's just, he's one of my favorite players to watch ever since he came into the league. And the one, I don't know if I mentioned this last year on the show, but he has this uncanny ability that when the ball swings east to west and he gets it or if it's on the power play sometimes even it's just sitting in a stick for a few seconds he'll throw a little bounce shot between the top of the crease defender that's sort of playing the taking the far side away because so for fans when when the defender steps to the top of the crease in front of the shooter he's usually stepping to the far side so he's taking that shot away so the goaltender can focus on just not getting beat short side and what Lyle does is he shoots a bounce shot between the defender's legs who's perfectly lined up with the far post. So it's so hard for a goalie to get there because, one, he can't see the shot coming. Two, he sees it late. And three, it's bouncing low under his glove. It is one of the slickest shots that anybody shoots in the NLL. And I don't think enough people pick up on it. But every time he shoots that shot, I, I make sure I go back and look. Where's the defender? Where are his feet and where does the shot go? And sure enough, it's a bouncer between his legs, underneath the goalie's glove, far side. It's just unbelievable. I can't wait to watch. Uh, you're right, though. Vancouver has to be better. They didn't get a single goal out of their right-handers, even though Dauber likes to count no goals, um, <laughs> which is a weird thing for a goaltender to do. Um, but, yeah, they need better game out of Crowley. They need a better game out of Ball. They need a better game out of Killen. Um, they need a better game out of Aaron Bold. Uh, he was a 72 percenter. They don't need him to be plus 80. They need him to be like 78% save percentage. If he can give them that, we talked about it at nauseam before. If he can give them 78%, this team is going to be fine. But if you're giving up 41 shots and your goalie's only making a save on 72% of them, that's not a recipe for success. So uh, that is the TSN game of the week. It will be myself, Brad Chowner, and Chantel Chand with it on TSN. And, of course, TSN Plus and ESPN Plus. Uh, if you're unable to watch it on TV, agreed that the game of the week is Seals Bandits, though. As much as a a must win it is for the Warriors and the Rip and 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 Sask. Like the game of the week is Seals Bandits.
2: It certainly is. I think the Saturday showcase is is what they've they've coined these games for mm-hmm. the ESPN games. But I think even last week the Colorado Georgia game was. Was called the Saturday cool. Showcase. On yeah, the I think it's just Saturday. like
0: ESPN and ESPN Plus games are all sort of they're picking one for a Saturday Showcase, and and, and I hope yeah.
2: that's the one because again, I totally agree. This is going to be must TV. Um, um, why don't you drive and, down, take the wife, and drive down a little Christmas road trip? i Trader I've Joe's. I fi- me, I'm 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 <laughs> dying to get down to Buffalo for for a. Christmas Bandit. shopping trip, but also obviously to get back in Bandoland. I think I might have to wait till till March for that. But um, yeah, this is this this is going to be a hot ticket in town. Like I don't know if you saw, I think it was this week. Sabers only had like nine thousand fans in attendance. Like I think the Bandits are going to outdraw out, outdraw the Sabers oh, yeah. easily for this game. Easily, um, but. To go off to build even more storylines, I think the storylines are going to write themselves. Um, for John Gertler and Steve Vermal and Dave Buchanan, who will be on that broadcast. But you talked about like Austin Stotts being the 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 heel, love scoring in opponent buildings. He's never played in Banditland before. He's only played the Bandits once, and that was yeah. last year uh, in San Diego. I can see it now, man. A big goal, in the back of the net, and just going up to the glass. <laughs> up, give Are it to me. Are you not entertained? Maybe a little ear, maybe a little Hulk Hogan, <laughs> similar to what we saw him do as a call-up in Peterborough in the Major Series Finals a, a handful of years ago when he really jumped onto the scene. I mean, he, there's not too many guys that like scoring goals more than Ahti thoughts No.
0: We all love scoring goals, but like that guy just lives and breathes to see the red light go on. Um, Unbelievable. So those are your five games in week three. Uh, Before we get to the OTCB parlay brought to you by CoolBet and BoxBets, hit me with your NLL jersey journey. Again, this is kind of all inspired um, by the Immaculate Grid over on Graham Paro's site, NLLStats.com. Uh, this That's the third website we've plugged. Fourth website we've plugged. So if you got a lacrosse website, let us know about it, and we'll definitely get it out there. <laughs> Sponsor the uh, pod. Sorry, what was that? that? <laughs> Sponsor the <a> pod.
2: it's <laughs> the <laughs> <Sponsored a> pod.
0: <laughs> um, get off your wallet. Uh, the, the Immaculate Grid is a three-by-three three grid where they give you two different clues and you just kind of match a player for each, and then we kind of thought, oh, well, let's just – start naming off a guy's career stops and try to figure out where they're from. Uh, You can play along as well. It's Pat's turn to give me a mystery player, which I must try and figure out by where they played their NLO career. Go.
2: All right. This national lacrosse leaguer began his career in Ontario. Okay. I then moved with the team to Toronto. Now, I added years in because he did it to me and it helped a lot. So, one year in Ontario, six years in Toronto, then moved on to San Jose, and then moved on to Rochester for five seasons, Colorado for one, and then ended their career in Edmonton for one season.
0: So, the Ontario is a big tell all just mm-hmm. to help narrow things down. Yes. And then to go from Ontario slash Toronto for six years, that means they were there for the dynasty. So that narrows things down. Uh, Rochester for five years, that's another dynasty. Uh, So that kind of narrows thing down. And then Colorado and Edmonton. So the names that come to my mind that were at least Ontario, Colorado and Edmonton, I think of like a Gill and a Stroop but they never played for San Jose or Roch. It's not a Willie. It's not a goalie. It's not a kerzy. Championships in Toronto and Rochester, but played in Colorado and Edmonton. It is is it the first ever NLL transition
2: player of the year, Steve Toll? Ding 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 hey. ding. Hey. Ding. It is. I figured I'd keep the theme of defensive coordinators. We had Bruce yeah. Cott last week. We did. So I went with Speedin' Stevie Toll. Nicely done. I liked how you 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 really broke that down. Well, again, the the putting the years helps.
0: That that's a huge one. But when you can think of a begin in Ontario and Edmonton, like I played in Edmonton, so I know a bunch of the guys from that reign, but then the Ontario Toronto Kind of helps narrow it down, but that was a good one. It took me a while. I liked it. I will have a player fun. on deck for you next weekend. I may or may not stay with the defensive coordinator theme. I don't know. We'll decide. Um, <laughs> I got those right and I picked it right. Unfortunately, the fans didn't pick it right last week for the parlay, but let's see if we can give be you better in week three. Time now for Box Bet. Your
2: source for all the lines odds from across the world of
1: lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly.
2: (laughs) Hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby.
0: (laughs) Last week, Buffalo, Toronto, Rochester, all to win. Didn't happen, unfortunately. Buffalo lost, Toronto won, Rochester won. Who would have thought the Bandits were going to be the team that lost? The biggest favorite. The biggest
2: favorite, they were like minus 300 and something.
0: Um, my little if-I-had-a-card parlay didn't pan out because Philadelphia lost, but Colorado Georgia was over 22.5, and, and Calgary lost as well. So um, equally as bad. But again, the fans this week, they make our choice for the OTCB parlay. Brought to you by Cool Bets. And on Box Bets, Patty... This is a very interesting one, and I know why you think and I think wow. it's a very interesting one because of one of the teams being a dog at home, and it's not the Vancouver Warriors.
2: Well, we've got the Vancouver Warriors, the Albany Firewolves, and the Buffalo Bandits plus <laughs> one and a half, all them to cover the spread, plus plus four twenty one. We've got it a boost up to 4.65 on CoolBet. You can get that exclusively, the best price on the market for all those three teams to cover the spread. You heard us right, folks, though. We're not just getting a special number here, an alternate line for Buffalo. Although at CoolBet, you can bet the alternate lines. But here, we're taking advantage of this, folks. Yes. I, mean, I know, know why you <laughs> voted for Buffalo, because... Do we ever see them as a dog? Well, we did see them last year against Toronto in Bandit Game or a home game? Or it was a home game. game. Like I think it was like April. Like it was late in the season, huh. mind you. This is coming off when Toronto really beat them down pretty good at home. A couple yeah. weeks later, they're in Buffalo. Buffalo won outright. It was a close game. So we don't see the Bandits as dogs very often. Very rare. We don't see them almost ever as dogs at home. Yeah,
0: this is crazy. Like, I really like this one though. I I do too. I I, I'm just like many when when the lines first came out, um, we're just gobsmacked that Buffalo was uh, a dog at home, uh, especially coming off a loss. But I I kind of can see why. But I I never would have thought. I thought this was a pick 'em either way. I thought you would have given them a, a plus one and a half. Um, but if they're gonna give us free money on the bandits at home, then I'm, I'm gonna take it. Uh, Vancouver against Georgia, I can see that being a very close game be interesting to see uh, again, how that Vancouver team kind of tries to work towards kicking bad habits. and talking with Kurt Miloski this week, you know, he said there were times where it seemed like his team reverted back to the old vancouver warriors you know a couple things start don't start going against them heads drop body language is bad they gotta stay positive they gotta keep moving forward so i think this is a great regroup for this club they've had a week off to think about it so them at plus one and a half against the georgia team that's gonna have to travel across the country might be without a defender or two after the fracas at the end of the game against colorado I don't hate it. And then Albany on the road at Philadelphia. Philadelphia, again, we talked about their injury issues. But to give Albany plus one and a half against the Philadelphia team, I think that'll spark Philly a little bit. Um, I think Higgy's going have to have a great game at home. Um, but the way Albany's playing right now and the injuries to Philadelphia, um, that that is a good number at plus one and a half. So Buffalo, Vancouver, Albany, all plus one and a half juiced all the way up to 465 thanks to our friends at CoolBet.
2: and i guess we might as well did you do you have it if i had a card no do you want to do this it this week, week? yeah sure let's roll, let's okay yeah let's let's roll through the odds here maybe i could put something together if i had a card this would be my card well, we'll we might need to we might need to think of a better name for that than Inbox. oh it's box BoxBets box bets a good name yeah. We need another another handle for this one. But we'll start things off. The Friday night game, Saskatchewan, uh, minus 133 against the, Desert, the Vegas Desert Dogs, plus 110. The total set at 22.5. Uh, Albany Firewolves, as we mentioned, a slight underdog, plus 107. Uh, Philadelphia, minus 130. The total for that also set at plus two, 22 and a half. Uh, minus 119 to the over, minus, minus uh, 103 to the under. Seals, Bandits, again, this is close. Mm. Slight, slight home dog. The Bandits minus 114. The Seals minus 106. Uh, if you think the Seals are going to win by two or more, you can get them on the ball line at plus 150. Um, Bandits my, plus one and a half, not great, minus 185, but you parlay it. That's a nice number. Uh, Total for that one, 23 and a half. uh, Even money on both sides there. Thunderbirds, minus 185 on the road against the New York Riptide at plus 150. Total, biggest total we've seen, uh, I think, in in the season so far. 24 and a half, plus uh, minus 118 uh, on the over, minus 103 on the under. I kind of like that. For the under. Uh Swarm minus 167. Uh Warriors plus 135 at home. Uh oh, well, the uh total for that one 23 and a half. So just looking here, I think I, I lean Thunderbirds to win um 6-0 against against the riptide. Um yeah. possibly, maybe we see Randy Stotts back in the fold, but I'm just I, I'm I'm just I'm just going to play the trends, play the history here. I'm going to say Halifax, they'll they'll continue their winning ways. Um, let's go with the birds to win. Birds um, straight up, okay? Birds straight up. Um, now, I'll try to stay away from some of the picks that we have in our parlay already but although I do really like them, um, I'm going to go under 23 and a half bandits and seals. Ooh. Okay. I know you look at those two offense. He's like, ah, oh, offensive explosion. Uh-uh. I, I really liked what I saw out of San Diego's defense last week. Um, Danny Logan's a stud. Rizanka. This, this kid is, is legit. I think he can be, you know, a real nice piece for them defensively. First well, truth and
0: Yegan in the NL. Yes.
2: Yes. Peyton Rizanka. Um, with that being said, though, Matt Vince, when do we ever see Matt Vince have two stinkers in a row? Never. Rarely ever. Rarely ever. I think he's going to lock it down. I think that defense is going to lock it down. I could see this being a good defensive battle. Um, so give me the under 23 and a half. And last, but certainly not least, I'm going to go the Ve- Vegas Desert Dogs. Las Vegas Desert Dogs plus one and a half. I think this is going to be a really close game. Vegas seems to play only really close games. Um, so you put all those three together plus 385. Let's go one more pick. Let's let's get a little spicy here. Why not? Um, I can get plus money on the Warriors to keep this within a goal. Yeah. I know it's in our other parlay, but hey, this isn't a real card. This is a card if I had a card. So I'm going to add that there. Uh, plus... 894, maybe not quite as big as a nuke that you like to drop. (laughs) A little bit of a bigger ticket than I like, but I I, I really like this. Birds to win under 23 and a half, Bandit Seals, Vegas plus one and a half, and the Warriors plus one and a half, almost plus 900.
0: Make me proud there, Pat. Make me real proud there, actually. That's getting anything above 750 into a parlay. Uh, in my mind, is always a fun thing to do. So,
2: uh, not quite very- the lottery ticket that you like to build, but hey, I'm le- <laughs> I'm learning, right? I'm, I'm getting uh, of, of course, as zone.
0: always. If you want to join the fun, head over to CoolBet. Um, and if you want us to help you out a little bit, once you uh, register and go to make that first donation, there'll be a little box down there uh, for a bonus code. Type in OTCB, up to two hundred dollars for your first donation. CoolBet will match that, so two hundred becomes four hundred, and allow you to have some fun. Make some bets, check some odds. And, of course, on game day, player props and and more spreads will come out. The alternate spreads might change a little bit. But stay tuned, stay updated, over with our friends at CoolBet. And, as always, stay cool.
2: Bet responsibly.
0: It is the holiday season. Uh, You got your CoolBet holiday party uh, this week. You're going to get absolutely torched and rinsed. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Well, why wouldn't you? You're the regional director. You like you have to set a precedence to just be the guy that's continually going up and getting drink after drink, right?
2: Well, actually, uh, because uh, you know we got a little bit of a, a smaller staff here at Coolbet in Canada and in the market marketing department, I should say. So it's our marketing party. Uh, we're headed to the Leaf game. We're gonna have some fun. Oh, nice. Go go for dinner beforehand. So uh, depends how the Leaf Leafs play. <laughs>
0: You're either going to be drinking for fun or drinking for sorrow.
2: Pretty much, yeah. But hey, Leafs, Leafs, big win against the Rangers the other night. They look good. Uh, they look real good. Speaking oh, of which,
0: oh yeah, go ahead. I got you.
2: Did you guys happen to see in the pregame show Cheryl Pounder um, broke down John Tavares's game? If you if you can go to um, at. NLL underscore on underscore TSN. Um, and there's a great clip, Pete Buchanan, um, one of the producers for TSN for, uh, for our obviously our coverage with the NLL clipped it. It's an awesome, awesome piece. Made some references to uh, him growing up to lacrosse, the pick and roll game, the low center of gravity, the spin move that he made on, on his hundred And then they had a nice little graphic at the end comparing uh, Tavares, two Tavares, obviously Uncle John and Nephew John and how um, John Tavares, the hockey player, joined the a 1,000-point club, whereas JT's been in there for, for quite some time. And James Duffy even said, the greatest box lacrosse player of all time. Pretty cool uh, and some great cross-promo on, on TSM. Speaking of Cheryl Pounder,
0: uh, we gave her a shout out in week one in our broadcast because her nephew is yes. Connor
2: Yes, that is right. That was cool. So,
0: so the the ties to hockey and lacrosse continue to live strong. And shout out to the people at TSN for getting that board out there. Um, just you know, mixing our fan bases is just a natural thing up here in Canada. Obviously with the sports being so similar and then the crossover between players being so vast. Uh, it's just awesome to, to see those stories and, and just to continue to link the two. Like I'm sure once Adam Poitras gets in the league, we'll have a comparison with him and his brother. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's just, it's just great storylines uh, throughout the national lacrosse league and hockey league uh, for those exact reasons. But we mentioned the holiday season and I was out with a bunch of the Victoria Shamrock driftwood this past weekend, a bunch of guys that, all played together on the 05 team. Uh, We usually get together once a year around Christmas time uh, and have some festive tip backs. But we actually started playing the game and this was me just being inebriated um, saying, (laughs) okay, um, you know, Jordan Sunder, who was your first game against? Who was your last game against? Who was your first goal? What was your last goal kind of thing? And just using NLLstats.com and just finding each guy's profile and seeing if seeing if guys could remember their first game, their last game and their first and last goal. So um, it was a ton of fun, just a, a great group of guys that I just love to death. And it's one of the best times of the year being able to get together with those guys and just talk shop and life because life is what it is. You don't always get to see guys throughout the year. And, you know, obviously Tyler and I spent the whole summer together coaching, but you know, some of the other guys I hadn't seen in months and, and years. So, um, just a, a great time to be around friends and family over the holiday season, uh, to talk across, talk life, and also just to check in on your friends. Make sure they're doing okay. Um, I, we joke about you know throwing a few beers back, but um, make sure you check on your friends because this is a time of year where often the, the, it isn't a great time for everybody. And sometimes substance abuse can be a time where mental health takes its toll so again check on your friends make sure everybody's doing okay a text a call whatever it may be just to say hey how are you doing because that could go a long way uh into brightening anybody's day so um holiday season is great for family and friends but it's not always great for some people so just like i said check in on your friends
2: checking on your friends um you know if you can give, if you're fortunate enough to give, recognize mm-hmm. that again, as you mentioned, obviously mental health, but you know, this is a stressful time for, for uh, a lot of people, but, uh, there's a lot of people that, um, you know, aren't, uh, are fortunate enough to, to give their loved ones Christmas. Um, I know there's a lot of great foundations out this way. I'm sure there's, there's some out on oh, the yeah. West, West coast as well, or, um, even if it's just a little bit, um, even if you're, you know, the, uh, Person ringing the bell for uh, Salvation Army outside yes. of the grocery store, even if just you can give a you know a couple bucks here or there, uh, that goes a long way. Um, yes. So just we it all is got a of- change sitting around our house. Yes, great time to just take those out and
0: and drop off to some some foundations and foundations or some uh, hospices, anything like that. So um, time of year to just be a little selfless, give back and and help someone's day be a little brighter. Thanks to Brett Dobson for stopping by this week. Uh, Week three in the future, five games, one on Friday, Saskatchewan at Vegas, four on Saturday, Albany at Philly, Halifax at New York, San Diego at Buffalo, and then the TSN game of the week, Georgia at Vancouver for the first time since 2022. Oh, since 2020. And if James Ray plays in that game, his last game was that game when Georgia was in Vancouver.
2: <laughs> no way.
0: <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable storylines as always here in the National Lacrosse League. Uh, he's Pat Gregor. You can find him on Twitter at PGreggie. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast or find us on the instas at OTCB podcast. Enjoy the games this weekend. Continue to have a happy holiday. And until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent
2: to each other. I am an fall